If you've been around a little bit, you probably have or probably can remember me mentioning once or twice that over the course of this past summer, uh, I took some time just to do interviews around the city because I wanted to know what people were thinking about connecting spiritually, connecting to purpose in their life, and connecting to community in their lives. So I talked to random strangers all over West Philly and some in Center City and different places around town and asked them a series of questions to try and figure out where they were coming from, what their experience in life was. Now, as I did that, there are a lot of things I think were really helpful that I learned from that process, but there were a couple themes that kept recurring. One theme was that almost everyone I talked to really wanted to make a difference with their life. They often said things like, I'd like the world to be a better place because of what I'm doing, or I want to be remembered when I'm gone for something of value. But at the same time, none of those people I talked to felt like they were living in a way where that was actually happening. That was one big theme. Want to make a difference, want to make the world a better place, don't feel like I am. A second big theme that I noticed uh, was that almost everyone said they wanted to be connected meaningfully to other people in community. There are some people who are like, I'm fine being alone. <laughs> but almost everyone was like, no, I really would like to connect to community. And not a single person, not one person I talked to, and I talked to people from all different kinds of backgrounds, uh, religious, not religious, uh, this and that, that and the other, not one person said that they felt like they were meaningfully connected to community. Not one. So I sat on that. You may have noticed that there have been series this year about community that I've preached. You may have noticed that um, we've been, had some series about purpose and finding purpose and things like that. But as I've thought about it, as I've ruminated on it, as I prayed about it, I started to wonder if maybe these aren't just two separate things happening, but maybe there's a connection And I started to ask myself questions like, well, what if part of the reason that we don't feel connected to other people in community is because we don't sometimes have a strong sense of who we are or what we're supposed to do in life? So that uh, if we had a sense of purpose, we would know where we fit with other people and be able to connect more. At the same time, I started to wonder if the reason we don't have a deeper sense of purpose sometimes in our life is because we're not connected to other people. And it's hard to know what you're supposed to do with your life if you're not engaging with people, if you're not seeing their problems, what they're struggling with. And so I've come to think that these aren't separate things, but there's something to be said for it, something important about connecting to other people in community and having a purpose in life that work together. And so if somehow we can get people together talking about these things, working together on them, we might find that we all have a deeper sense of purpose in life and a deeper sense of connection to other people. So last summer, this fall, early winter is all culminating now in a series we're starting today called 40 Days of Destiny. Who are you? What are you made to do? How can we help? And if you look on your seats here, there's not one on every single seat. They're about every other seat. Um, There are these packets. And what I've done and what we've done is work together on a packet that 
can help walk you through and carry you through this 40-day series leading up to Lent, where we're going to look at these themes. Purpose. Who are you? What are you made to do? And connecting to other people to find that out and live it out together. So here are the main things we'll be looking at during this series. First, finding your purpose. Understanding who you are and what you're made to do. Now, the journey to understanding this essential part of your life is not an easy one. So the thought here is that it'd be really, really helpful as we're thinking about who we are and purpose in our lives if we had a guide, someone who could help us think about these things and get somewhere. Well, lo and behold, being a Jesus-centered church, we realized, whoa, well, maybe Jesus would be a really good guide. Because throughout the scriptures, you see that Jesus is often interacting with people, asking them questions, getting them thinking about who they are and what they're doing in their lives. And in particular, there's one person that his relationship, his conversations with, his interactions with are really highlighted more than any other person. And that is the person of Peter, sometimes referred to as Simon. So for the next six weeks, we're going to follow along the story of Jesus and Peter. And we're going to look at the experiences Peter has. And Peter's awesome, not just because he's really detailed in the Bible, not because we get these interactions and these personal conversations that we don't get with everyone else, but because he is so like us. Sometimes Peter is really hot. He's really passionate. He runs right to where the conflict is, right? Sometimes he's super cold, and he runs away from the conflict. Sometimes he's super confident. Sometimes he's super unconfident. Um, He's hot, he's cold, he's passionate, he's not. He gets things right, he gets things wrong, he falls down, he gets back up, he tries again. And Peter's a great one to look at because he's so human. In fact, the stories of the life of Peter in the Bible have often been used by scholars to say, hey, you know what, I think that the authors of the Bible are actually just trying to say what happened and put their agendas to the side because... A lot of these scriptures were written when Peter was still alive, and he looks so bad sometimes. And he was the leader of the whole church. They can't understand how someone would write these stories and circulate them and make the biggest leader in the whole movement look like such an idiot often. But not always. And so Peter's perfect for us because I don't think there's a person in here that if you stick with this for the six weeks, won't find a time where you identify very directly with Peter, and his experience makes so much sense with yours. And so we're going to watch Jesus interacting with Peter, the journey he takes him on, to see if we can't hop on that journey and let Jesus, Jesus guide us to who we are and what we're supposed to do. All right, so you'll find in that packet that there are activities to help you do that. So there are reflections every week. Uh, that you can do to help engage with the stories, to ask yourself the same questions. It asks you to make a big ask. So what I'm doing today and what the packet is suggesting is that you think of something in your life, particularly maybe an area where you're stuck, where you need a change, and you ask God to work a miracle in your life over this six-week period leading up to Easter. And you ask for something that, if it happens, is big enough that it will clearly be God. So you can say, oh, thank you. So what's a big ask for you? What's a struggle for you? Where's a place where you feel like you're stuck? 
And what I'm asking today, and if you decide to go along this journey with us, what the packet asks of you is to, to write it down. What would you like to see God do in your life in the next six weeks? Big enough that it has to be him, not just you. And our hope is at the end of 40 days, you'll not only have a better sense of who you are and what you're made to do, but you also have some specific ideas of what that looks like tangibly, practically in your life. The second area of focus is love now. So this connects to this area of people wanting to make the world a better place. So building a community, we're going to talk about this, that can support you in this process starts with being open to people, welcoming them into your life. So we've planned along with this some activities to help you be more open and help me be a more open and welcoming person. So one of the big things here is we're going to ask you to choose six people in your life that you just have a sense God would like to do more in their life, that they could use more of his blessings, that they could use to be closer to him. Six people in your life that you know and you'll interact with. So not, I don't know, political figures, (laughs) celebrities, people that you'll never meet. You want to pray for them, that's fine. That's not what this is about. Pray for six people in your life that you're going to talk to and interact with and ask for more of God's blessing for them in their lives. You're going to do that for six weeks. Pray for them once a day. Right? Also, uh, you, you notice these guys we had up here, uh, they just got their cool t-shirts. They'll probably want to put them on because it's kind of chilly today and every layer helps, right? Um, we still have like a lot of flyers left. And so one way to be welcoming to the city of Philadelphia is just let them know that we exist and we want them to know that we exist because they're welcome. So on, on, uh, on March 6th, after the service, we'll take a break for lunch, but then we're going to have a big flyering day. We're going to choose some specific parts of the city, and we are going to plaster them with the 400 or so signs that we have left in these little cards that we have made, just to let people know they're welcome. We're open to you. That's why the sign is up, so you can find out about us, and we can meet you, all right? And then the third thing we're going to do, this is a tradition for us, is on Easter, after our Easter service, we're going to have a big brunch. Um, And you guys are all going to bring your favorite dish that you love to share, and we are going to have a little party afterwards and eat, and hang out, and invite our friends to come and be part of that. You know, some people who are interested in spirituality, Easter's a really good time for them to get a taste. And so we're going to encourage you to invite a friend and also bring something delicious, something really delicious, um, so that Brad can eat a lot of good food. Um, and so that's happening. So we're going to love now, and we're hoping that at the end of this, I've had so many conversations with people that feel like spiritual conversations in their lives are so wrapped up in pressure and shame. Unfortunately, we want to pop those bubbles a little bit by giving you some simple ways to be inclusive and welcome people um, and sort of turn that around in your life. And the third thing is you're going to experience support during this. And the objective for this is to build a long-term support team. So discovering parts of who you are, what you need to do, isn't easy. You need a guide, but you need more than a guide. You also need a team. So here's the biggest thing. If you do one thing that I mentioned so far today, this is probably the most important one. We're encouraging every person in the church for the six weeks of this series to form and be involved with what we're calling a power of four team. Power 4 team is a really simple idea. It's connecting to three other people and committing to meet up once a week for six weeks 
and talk about what's going on, talk about how you're interacting with this, talk about the story of Peter and Jesus, and pray for each other. You can, and you can use the packet just to have an idea of what to talk about, things like that. It's low pressure, but it can be high reward. We did this like two or three years into the start of our church. We thought, we want to get to know each other better. We want to have deeper relationships. We did this. And it occurred to me over the last three or four months that four or five of the people who are still around from those early days, 2004, 2005, 2006, brought up these Power Four groups. And they said, man, that, they were awesome. I need one of those again. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to do it again. So when we initially did that, we said, let's make a commitment once a month for a year. We're not doing that this time. We're just saying take six weeks, once a week for six weeks. And if you don't know people in the church yet, this is a great chance. If you still don't, if that's a little daunting to you, um, you can visit any of our small groups this week, and the small group leaders will help connect you to other people. Um, They're happy to do that. It doesn't have to be four people. If it's a power of three or you have five people, that's fine. Four is just helpful and a way to get started. But please get in that. And if you do that, you can go through this packet together. And our hope is that through all of this, no one gets left behind. That whatever it is that God's doing in your life, who he's made you to be, what he's called you to do, we can make some discoveries. And we hope that not only will you know a little bit more about yourself at the end of six weeks as we celebrate Easter, but also if someone asks you who's on your team in life, something we talked about for the four weeks leading up to this series. Who's in your corner? Who are you supporting and who's supporting you that you'll be able to point to three real people and say, these people are on my team. They're trying to help me in life. I'm not doing this alone. I'm not even doing this just alone with Jesus, but I'm doing this with Jesus and people, a community, so that nobody in this church If you bumped into some crazy guy who was interviewing you that you never met before, and he said, uh, how do you connect to community, you would be able to say, this is how, and this is my team. But you wouldn't be like, you know, I really wish I had a connection to community, but I don't. I really wish I would have met more people like that. I didn't meet one. I didn't talk to any of you, though. (laughs) So let's see that change in our lives. And if that's not happening, or you've had that before, and it's sort of Life moves on, people move, times change. It's time to build that team again. Does that make sense? So that's the longest intro I've ever given to a sermon before. But, you know, there's a little packet there, so I have a lot to say. But let's do it. Let's see what can happen. I'm hoping that by Easter, we will have so many stories to share about what God's do, big asks that have been answered, new friendships that have been formed, discoveries that we've made about who we are. That's what I'm really looking forward to, is those stories. So, with all of that said, let's jump in. Let's start to see how it all started with Peter and Jesus. Because I think this can give us a good idea where we can start. And how we can engage with Jesus. And really more than that, how Jesus wants to engage with us. Because I think what we'll see in this passage is that Uh, he really wants you to have a sense of purpose in your life. He really wants you to be connected to other people. And so if we can see how Jesus engages with Peter, it will help us know where to look for him in our own lives. Does that sound good? Sound good? 
All right. So, <laughs> thank you. So let's do that. Um, let's look at our passage. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. In this, you'll notice that uh, Peter is mainly referred to, or maybe exclusively, I can't remember, as Simon. So Simon Peter, same person. Sometimes he's actually referred to as Simon Peter. Let's read it. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and filled both bolts so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So in this passage, I want us to notice four things that happen. Four ways that Jesus uh, interacts with Peter that can help us. First, he engages, he invites, he asks, and he envisions. We're going to look at all four of those. First, he engages personally. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I kind of grew up in the church, so I always had a little bit of a picture of how Jesus, it's called the calling of the disciples, how Jesus recruited people. Jesus recruited 12 people in particular to travel with him that he invested the most in. And I always had this picture of Jesus just sort of walking up to strangers and being like, follow me. And the strangers being like, oh, I'm following you, right? And, that, and I think in some of the versions of the uh, life of Jesus in the Bible go really quickly. They don't take a lot of time to give a lot of details. And that's what it kind of feels like. Kind of like Jesus has these Jedi powers, you know, these are not the droids you're looking for. Oh, these aren't the droids. Follow me. Oh, I will follow you. You know, it's sort of like that kind of thing. But here we see Jesus in a different light. So we actually see Jesus engaging with people personally. So look at Simon, for example. Before this passage, we didn't have time to read this. In a previous chapter, Jesus actually goes to Simon's house and he works a miracle. He heals his mother-in-law who's sick. Um, In this passage, he asks Simon to use his boat for teaching. He spends some time with him. They go out fishing, you know, which is a very relational type of thing to do. In other words, when Jesus wants to open our eyes to the possibilities that are in front of us, who we might be, what we might do, he starts with himself. He engages us personally. And this, I think, for us is a place to start. You know, I don't know where you're coming from today, but what do you think about Jesus? Start there. Start with him. If you're trying to figure out what's going on in your life, there's a lot of things you could think of. Make this one of the things. Take a step back from what job or career 
or where you want to live. And just think, if you haven't, and even if you have, start with, with Jesus. And if you have a funky relationship with faith, don't start with an issue. Don't start with the church. Don't start with some hypocrisy that you've seen before. Even try and set aside maybe even ways that you've been hurt. And start with Jesus. All those things are important. They need to be worked out, but they're not him. The middle of the whole thing in this story, what stirs everything, the straw that stirs the drink, is the person of Jesus. What do you think of this really intriguing person? And honestly, I've never met a person that didn't find Jesus intriguing. Whatever you think of him. Think of him as a prophet. um, Think of him as a great teacher. Think of him as a fictional character, if you don't believe in the historicity of it. Any way you cut it, he is intriguing. He said and did things that were, are still out of the box for how we normally live. Start there. And I think this is what Simon is really trying to figure out as he listens to Jesus teach. And as he follows him around a bit, he interacts personally with him. But from this passage... It seems that Simon wants to consider thoughtfully and thoroughly what he thinks about Jesus. And so Jesus engages him personally, but then that's, that's just the starting point. Then he takes it up a level. The next thing he does is he invites Simon to trust him. In verse 4, it says, When we finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, I've worked all night. I haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, this is an interesting request from Jesus for a lot of reasons. First of all, Jesus is a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. He doesn't fish for a living. Peter does. All right? And one thing Peter knows, and historically we know, is that in this region, the best time to fish is at night when it's cooler. That's when the fish are up closer to the surface. That's where it's easier to catch them. Not in the middle of the day. And this story takes place in the middle of the day. Next, Peter is very clear. He says, you know, we've been working all night and haven't caught anything. You know, that's another reason why this might not be a good idea. We've already done what we're supposed to do at the right time. Another way, he might just think, look, my back is tired. On top of all of this, they've been cleaning the nets, which is a laborious task. It's not easy. When you throw the net in the Sea of Galilee, it's not quite like today where you might get, I don't know, plastic bottles and whatever else might be floating. But you get a lot of things that are floating in the lake in the nets. And if, before you use them, again, you have to take every one of those out. You've got to clean the nets. So they've already done that. And that means it's going to be a lot more work. And mainly, I think Peter has a lot of reasons to say to Jesus, look, <laughs> I know better than you. I do this for a living. We've done everything right all night. I've done a lot of work just to get ready for tomorrow Really, Jesus, come on. But, and I want you to pay attention to this. This is what Jesus does. He asks us to trust him in an area where things aren't going well. Simon's been up all night and he's failed. Or Jesus asks us to trust him in an area where we think we know better. He'll say things like, I know you think you've done all you can do gone to counseling, you've prayed, you're tired, you failed. Try again. 
I know you've been rejected by five schools. Try sixth. Your company is laying off people. Your 401k went in the toilet. Be more generous. Find more ways to give away to the people around you. Why would you do this? (laughs) It's a bit crazy. But you're just intrigued enough by Jesus to give it a try. Some of you are here today, and you don't even know why you're in a church. You've been burned enough, or you're skeptical enough, but you're just intrigued enough, or things just aren't quite working enough in your life that you're here, you're trying it out. Maybe you've been thinking about kicking your faith. You've been thinking about it for months, but for some reason, you're still here. You've had some kind of experience with Jesus in the past that has made a difference in your life, and now some of the things around it don't seem to work anymore, but you know there was something real there. You're intrigued by Jesus. You still are, so you're here. You might be on the edge, but you're here. Some of you have been doing this for a while, and it's gotten stale, and you're like, I don't know if I really need this, but you're still intrigued enough by Jesus to be here. And what I think you'll find is that as you act on that sense of intrigue, you're going to find that you make discoveries. So in verse 6 it says, When they'd done so, they cast their net out into the lake again. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners to come over and help them. And they came and filled both boats, and those boats, boats began to sink. Here's the thing. As we trust... We learn that on the other side of every invitation to trust Jesus is this great opportunity to see the power of God in our lives, to see a difference-making event, experience. And for Peter and his buddies, his partners, that's what they see here. It seems ridiculous in the middle of the day the castronets out again, but when they do, when they trust him, crazy good things happen. And it's exciting. So what Jesus does, he intrigues you with who he is by engaging with you personally. He asks you to trust. And when you do, lo and behold, something happens that pulls you in even a little bit more. All right? And the third thing that it does is very unsettling. He's got you hooked at this point. And what he does is he asks for more. So he asks for a little trust. Now he asks for more. Now, you might think, I'm reading this story, Brad, you just read the story to me. I don't actually see Jesus ask for anything except to throw the nets in. And you're right. He doesn't specifically ask for more with words. But what we can see from Simon's reaction is that Jesus is definitely asking for more. So in verse 8, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now, why would Simon react that way? You know, in the previous chapter, he's already seen a miracle. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. So he's seen Jesus do miracles. So why does he have this reaction now? Well, I think what's happening here, the best take I can get is that Simon is finally starting to add it all up. 
he's adding up what all the intrigue with Jesus has been pointing to. Namely, I think he's starting to add up that Jesus isn't just a teacher or another prophet or a charismatic leader. I think Simon's starting to realize that Jesus is different, that he really is from God. And although he may not be able to verbalize it completely, he's coming into contact with the reality that he's dealing now with the Son of God. So here's what happens. When we realize that Jesus is more than we thought he was, all of a sudden the stakes get raised. And if we ask the question, what do I think about Jesus, and we begin to come back with the answer, the Son of God, suddenly we're in contact with something or someone who could change everything. And now all of a sudden, instead of just trusting him with smaller things like casting the nets out one more time, or in our context, you know, maybe trusting God with being honest with our taxes. It's that time of year. Letting someone go ahead of us in the line because we can tell they're harried and we can wait a little bit at ShopRite or something like that. And those are good things that we might not ordinarily do. Some of you would because you're cooler than I am, right? But we'll try them because we're intrigued about Jesus. Maybe we, turn, we remember Jesus saying the last will be first, first will be last. We'll try that. Now, if Jesus is asking, if Jesus is something more, it means that he might have the right to ask or speak into bigger things in our lives. Like, I don't know, our careers, our love lives, areas of our lives that we keep hidden and we don't talk about. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going from a person who asks us to do these little things that make a difference in our life, but are low risk, don't cost us much, to what we see in verse 11, where the passage ends, where it says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So all of a sudden, Peter's thinking, whoa, this guy's asking for a lot more than where to throw my fishing nets. And he's more than just a good preacher. And when this starts to sink in, we might think things like, whoa, I cannot handle this. <laughs> if you're a risk-averse person, you might think, if you come to me and want me to ask me to trust you with my career, that's too risky. I count on my job to give me stability. I've built this up for years. Or maybe you're acutely aware of some deep pain in your life and you've kept it buried. And the idea that Jesus might want to work through that abuse or that broken relationship, that's scary. Or maybe you've done some things that you're ashamed of and you're afraid that as that comes out, you'll be rejected. Or maybe you're holding on to some anger at your parents, an ex-spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a sibling, and it's become part of who you are and you're afraid that Jesus, if he's the son of God, might ask you to deal with that and to trust him with that, whatever it might be. I don't know what Peter is thinking about. We don't have all the backstory. But if it's one of those things or like that, your first response might be fear and to push Jesus away. And this is what Simon does to Jesus. He says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But watch what Jesus does. And this is key, and this is where we'll wind things up. 
I think this is encouraging, surprising, powerful. What Jesus does is he actually envisions possibility for Peter. He says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now you might expect Jesus. This is probably what I would do. But when Simon exclaims, Get away from me. I am a sinful man. He's like, This is probably what my first instinct would be. Like, oh man, don't, it's not that bad. Don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up so much. Come on, dude. It's all right. Get up. You know, don't, don't worry. You know, look, trust me. We'll do this. Whatever. I'm not, you know, don't push me away. Jesus doesn't do that. uh, Peter says, I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I.e., yeah, yes, you are. (laughs) Yeah, you are, Peter. You are a rough piece of work right now. You have a lot of rough edges, you have a lot to learn about, and you have a long, long, long way to go. And as we see this story, we will see that as true. Peter's a good dude, but he has a lot to learn, as we all do. And Jesus doesn't pretend like he doesn't. And so Peter's coming face to face with that, and Jesus is saying, yes, that's true. You are all those things. You are a sinful man, but don't be afraid. And then what does he do? He doesn't say it's not a big deal, right? But what he does do is he says, this is who you could be. And not just who you could be, this is who you're made to be. This is your purpose. You will be a fisher of people. That's who you are. You're not actually a fisher of fish. That was temporary for you. But this is who you can be. Yes, you're broken. Yes, you're messed up. Yes, you have rough edges. Yes, you have a long way to go. Yes, it's going to be a long journey. Yes, you're going to have a lot of failures along the way. But don't be afraid of that. Don't let that push you away from me. And what I'm inviting you into is who you've been created to be. If you'll not be afraid and you'll follow me. And whatever happened there with Jesus and Peter... There was enough for Peter to have faith to say, okay, I'll go for it. I'm not going to pretend like I don't have these rough edges, but I have, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. And they leave everything. They follow him. That's the invitation to you. Who are you? What are you made to do? It's a process of discovering those things, right? At the end of the six weeks, I hope you have a better idea, but you may not yet. What we're seeing here is the beginning of a lifetime of discoveries that Peter makes, becoming who Jesus has said he's made to be. And that's something to remember, because what I'm talking about and what we're looking at this series is not just a one-time thing that you need to do, and if you can do this, you'll be good. Because what we see here with Peter is that Jesus... And trusting Jesus is not just a one-time thing. This is the first time Peter gets an opportunity to trust him. But it happens again and again and again. We're actually seeing a pattern that's beginning in Simon's life that made all the difference. Not an event that made all the difference. So this series, I'm not promising you an event that will change your life. 
you may indeed experience something that will change your life. But what we're hoping for, what we're aiming for, what we're expecting is not an event, but a lifestyle, a pattern that will start in your life that will make all the difference. I hope you have opportunities to trust Jesus in new ways and see if it's true. See if it works during this series. But not just for this series. I'm hoping you get a taste of something that will change the way you live the rest of your life. I'm hoping that happens to me during this series. Because Jesus will continue to point out the ways that we are sinful, where we have broken down, where we need to change course, where we need renewal. And each time it will be an opportunity to trust him. Sometimes Peter does, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. But I hope and I expect that as we do trust, as we experience what happens as we do, more and more we'll trust more and more. But it's a process. This is week one of our series. This is day one of Peter's interaction. This is his first chance to trust. And it's a process of continually taking Jesus up on his invitations to trust. So, if you get in a Power 4 group, if you get connected to a small group during this series, this is what you're signing up for. You're expecting, okay, first of all, I'm probably going to have to be a little open with the people in my Power 4 group. Full disclosure, like, spoiler alert, uh, the question, I wrote a lot of these questions. The questions I wrote, I'm trying to get you to do that. <laughs> Sometimes that's not attractive. So for you, if that sounds like, oh, bleh, this is your first little chance to trust. And then there'll be exercises, there'll be ways to interact. But I think it'll be worth it. And my hope and my prayers that we'll find Jesus along the way. You'll discover some things and you'll develop a team. Let's pray. So Jesus, um, this series can be really powerful, but it's, it's not a quick fix. It's hopefully a jump start. Um, and so our prayer is that even in the smallest things, even in the, all right, I'll, I'll cast my net in again, low stakes, maybe different than what we know, but low stakes, we pray even, I, I pray a blessing that every little step that each one of us takes towards you, you would like meet us there in a way disproportional amount of blessing. I pray you would build in us a deeper trust of you through experience during this series and that you give us the grace we need uh, to try things, to be a little open and find you in the midst of it. Amen. Amen.